0: This is Jocko Podcast number 365 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willing. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight, Dave Burke. Good evening, Dave. Good evening. All of you here this evening are leaders. I am pleased to meet you. What you do may well dignify the past, explain today, and secure for all of us tomorrow. That's a little excerpt from uh, a speech that was given and was captured in transcript from General of the Army, by the way. General of the Army, Omar Bradley, um, who Dave and I, well, I mean, the Bradley fighting vehicle. <laughs> we we are very fond of the Bradley fighting vehicle. So Omar Bradley, we're gonna dig in this document, but a little bit about him, uh, born in a Little farming town in Clark, Missouri, February 12th, 1893. Wicked poor, parents very poor, um, but he got into West Point, went into West Point, graduated in 1915. Number 44 out of 164. There's only 164 people going to going into West Point in a class. You know, now it's like, about, I think it's about a thousand a class now. Yeah. So he graduated with that class of 1915, which by the way, this is interesting, this class, the Eisenhower was in that class, but 56 people in that class became generals. In <laughs> one class of 164 people became generals. So they call that class the class that the stars fell on. World War I, he was in an infantry regiment, but he never left America, so didn't do anything. So that's rough, that must, that's, that's hard. Happened to some guys in the teams. They missed Vietnam, and they were in the teams. And there's nothing going on. And then they got out of the teams. September 11th happens. It's like a a bad deal, <laughs> a bad deal. So he's in World, world War One. Happens. He just never leaves America. In between the wars, he's huh, going to you know various assignments. Spends a bunch of time as a student or a teacher at, at military schools. Makes brigadier general in 1941. 1942 to 1943 commands the 82nd and 28th Infantry Divisions. March 1943, 1943, he is requested by Eisenhower to go to North Africa, and this is when he becomes a deputy commander um, under Patton, which gets represented in the movie Patton, two corps. After that, he's selected as the Army Group Commander for D-Day, for Operation Overlord D-Day. And in D-Day, he's on the ground, uh, leading the fights through the the hedgerows of Normandy. And then after the Battle of St. Lowe, August 1st, he takes command of the 12th Army Group. End of the war, he's now a full general. And by the way, (laughs) check this out, full general, he's in charge of, overall in charge of 43 divisions. 1.3 million men, (laughs) I think that's the largest army that has ever been assembled in America. Uh, 1945, comes back after the war, he becomes the administrator for the the Bureau of Veteran Affairs, gets on with that job, 1948, back to the army, 1949, first chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So that's kind of a, a landmark role first chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. 1950, of course, Korea War starts in June. In September, he gets promoted to General of the Army, five-star. He's the fifth five-star general and the last five-star general that we've had in America. Army grows from 1950 to 1952. The whole army grows from 1.4 million troops to 3.5 million troops. Didn't really have a great relationship with MacArthur and Oh, I should say MacArthur didn't have a great relationship with him, um, kind of convinces Truman to get rid of, to fire General MacArthur. And I, I tried to figure out exactly what this meant. I read several different sources about this. So he, he stopped active service in 1953, but he stayed on active duty. I guess it's because you're a five-star general, you're like permanent, <laughs> like you're not going anywhere. So he's still active duty, even though he's not, Maybe in the exact position, but he's still on active duty. And then, then he just like chairs a bunch of, you know, chairs the the Commission on Veterans' Pensions, uh, member of the President's Intelligence Advisory Board. He's chairman of the board of Belova Watch. How do you say Belova Watch Company? Belova. Belova. Belova is no, that how you say it?
1: Yeah. Or bu- I've heard Belova, but they're both.
0: Okay, I don't know how to say it. American company. Did you know that? No. I always thought it was a foreign company. No, it was American company. Not made American anymore, unfortunately. Um, wrote a book called Soldier's Story, which I'm sure we'll cover on here at some point. He was a consultant in the movie Patton, for the movie Patton, because of course Patton had died in what, 1947? It was even quicker, It's like 45. It was like yeah, right after the yeah. war. It was like The war was just barely over. So Patton wasn't alive, and, and so he's a consultant on the movie Patton. And of course, in the movie, it shows them as kind of like Friends, you know, close friends, little different personalities, but uh, in reality, they didn't get along apparently very well. He died April eighth, um, nineteen eighty one. So that means he was on active duty from August first, nineteen eleven, when he when he went to the when he went to West Point until April eighth, nineteen eighty one. He was on active duty for sixty nine years, eight months, and seven days. Obviously. a a ton of experience. And like I said, I'm sure at some point we'll cover that whole book on the podcast. But I was reading this transcript the other day because he had visited the Carlisle Barracks, which is where the Army War College is, and he had stopped by to talk to some students about leadership, and he had some great insights there that I thought it'd be worth sitting down and covering. So let's get into it. Omar Bradley, five-star general, stopping by to talk to your class about leadership. What do you got? So he starts off, like I said, I use it already. All, all of you here this evening are leaders. I'm pleased to meet you. What you do may well dignify the past. Explain today and secure for all of us tomorrow. So that's how he, that's how he kind of kicks this thing off. Then he says, perhaps I can touch upon a few factors that will underscore the value of good leadership. Leadership is intangible. No weapon, no impersonal piece of machinery ever designed can take its place. Now, he didn't have AI yet, right? Yeah, no, no, he did not. He did not have no. AI. No. AI is getting close, man. Have you seen the chat GBT? You know what I'm talking about? No. What is that? It's like this AI that's writing things for people. Oh, yeah. Did you
1: see the AI art? Yep, but it's like art. a trend now. Everyone's like yep. doing their thing, whatever. But doesn't AI kind of defeat the whole purpose of art, though?
0: Yeah, kind of. And the other thing that I've noticed about AI art—people that have posted AI art of themselves—is mm-hmm. it's basically the most completely like fantasized vision, yeah. vision of yourself Hell that yeah. you could ever have. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah! Like, hey, it's it's me, Jocko, except for I. You know, just like a two hundred and seventy pound shredded, yeah, yeah. six foot five dude with like—that's pretty much what it is, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah,
1: I, that's probably written into the AI. Like they—they they probably like plump your lips oh, or something like that to get you to
0: uh, get you to like the picture and post it oh, yeah. and spread it, it. You got it from
1: spread it. That's how it. uh, What do you call it when the AI takes over? It's like info. That's how it like disseminates, mm. right? That's how it like freaking propagates itself.
0: Yeah. So he's saying there's no machine that can take its place, but I'll tell you what, you can definitely make some incredible calculations Mm. using artificial intelligence. Mm. I think you're always gonna have a little little sanity check on things. But according to Omar Bradley in 1971, which is when he made the speech, they're never gonna be able to replace leadership. He goes on to say, this is the age of the computer. He wasn't kidding. (laughs) And if you know how to program the machine, you can get quick and accurate answers. But how can you include leadership and morale, which is affected by leadership, into your programming? You actually can do some of that, right? Mm -hmm. Some of it. Yeah. You have to be able to, right? Yeah, fully. Um, Let us never forget the great importance of this element, leadership. And while we use computers for certain answers, let us not try to fight a whole war or even a single battle without giving proper consideration to the element of leadership. I'm going to concur with that. Another element to be considered is the man to be led and with whose morale we are concerned. I am constantly reminded of this point by a cartoon which hangs over my desk at home which depicts an infantryman with his rifle across his knees as he sits behind a parapet. Above him is the list of the newest weapons science has devised and the soldier behind the parapet is saying, but still they haven't found the substitute for me. Now I'm gonna tell you, they're getting closer.
2: I mean, Dave Burke, you're all but replaced. Mm. <laughs> You've been beating the 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 aviation AI drum for a while. This is not like this. This is not like a new thing. You've been thinking. About, we've been talked. We've yeah, talked about this. We have. Uh, and I am of. I still think of the minority mindset that we're one airplane away from no longer having man fighters.
0: Wait, there's who thinks that we're? Do people think we're more than
2: that? Yes, I think so. Oh, really? I think. I, I don't have any data to back this up other than just conversations. I think most people in aviation think we have more manned fighters to build. I think we have one more. I think it's not, it would not surprise me if we built one more. One more past
0: the F-35? Yes. One more. You think they're gonna need another manned aircraft past the F-35?
2: No, I don't. I oh, you don't. I do not. I, I'm telling you, I would not be surprised if the next one that they're designing now is the last manned fighter. Okay. It would not, it would not surprise me at all. I think a lot of people would say no way.
0: The other, the other interesting thing is there's a dynamic where you there's no reason to even have a big aircraft like that, right? I mean, you could just make smaller, multiple smaller aircraft. Yeah,
2: there's a whole lot of things happening right now. Like I forgot what the terms, but basically they're even looking at F-35. Certainly, the next iteration of of fighters is, oh, I think they call it like the swarm, which is all these, um, you know, smaller. Drones or you know remote pilots that that this lead pilot you know when an, and an actual aircraft might have a bunch of control over, but the swarm is always unmanned aviation you know centric vehicles working with that person mm-hmm.
0: the progress that they made with drones in like a few years was insane yeah uh we had one we had these drones in task unit bruiser, I think they were called ravens, and they were sort of like a a big uh model airplane you know little radio controlled airplane, and like single prop, and you had to throw them into the air, and then you had to be a legit pilot to be able to fly them, and you'd be flying them around in circles around the target, and the pilots all sucked, so they were like crashing them. Uh, <laughs> well, it was one of Leif's, Leif's AOIs. no, one of Leif's AOICs, he begged me, we had something, he goes, hey, can I use our, our UAV for this? Can I launch the UAV? And I was like, all right. So we were, on NAB Coronado, I think, and he throws this thing to launch it and it, no kidding, goes like 80 yards and plows into a building just head on, right? (laughs) Just totally blew it. And then the second time he's using it, we're out at our, our urban training and he like launched it. And again, imagine a little tiny model airplane. It's got a crappy camera. Like this is before, you know, this is like worse than a Blackberry camera in 2005, right? This is just junk. It's not like now where you and I, like we're all sitting at this table. We all have like, how many megapixels are on our iPhone?
1: I don't know. Did Blackberry have a camera?
0: Yeah, it did. Really? Yeah, because I, I have like a, a folder that says Blackberry Pictures. <laughs> so yeah, it exists, bro. <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. And they are low quality. So anyways, yeah. you got this knucklehead, you got this crappy camera, you got this knucklehead seal, like that's, like no pilot by any stretch. He probably went to a three-week school or something. And he's flying around a target and try and the camera's not like we take for granted now that you can just lock a camera in position. It's it's got a little geo yeah. and all that stuff. This didn't have any of that. It's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely <laughs> awful. To- it was literally worthless. So he's he's telling me like, you know, hey boss, I got this thing, I oh, will go we'll get the UAV, we'll get a look at the target. I go, All right, bro. So he launches it, you can't see anything, we're waiting to launch, I go, hey man, just bring it back here, we gotta go. He brings it back and just <laughs> he tries to land and it crashes right over our Humvees, square into a tree, bro.
2: <laughs> just totally
0: destroyed. So, <coughs> they've made massive progress. I think, you, I don't, I mean, I think your, your crew is definitely out of a job in Next Fighter, for sure. Who's thinking you still need to be in there? I think a lot of people. What, what is it? What if you were to argue their side? What would you yeah, be saying? To I think me? the
2: argument of their side is like the, all the nuance that goes in with real time decision making, and the flexibility that goes along with that requires a human being mm-hmm. to understand sort of the nature of the 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 three dimensional unpredictability in the fog of wars. You need a human being to be able to make decisions as opposed to a computer. I'm not an expert on AI, but it is startling, it, and it's not just what it can do. I think your point is a more important point is how how steep that curve is. And if you think about like, if you think about 30 years and how much happens in 30 years, that's why I'm looking at it like, all right, we're gonna start designing this thing now, like we'll, build, we'll buy it and we'll build it and like we'll fly it. And then like 30 or 40 years from now, we're gonna do it again. And I'm like 40 years from now, like mm-hmm. if I think about how old I'm gonna be and how much is gonna happen in that 40 years or 30, 40 years, I think it's really, hard to not at least envision, it's it's gonna be dramatic how mm-hmm. much different the world is and just the concept of even what AI means. It's not like it's going through something where it can like cook food for you or, or draw a piece of art. It's like doing level, high level thing that is well beyond anything you can comprehend and just visualizing. It'd be like saying the, to the right brother. So like, hey, what, what you just flew an airplane, that's amazing. Uh, in 40 years, we're gonna walk on the moon. They'd be like, that doesn't compute. They, they, they can't make the connection of like 40 years later, it'll be like the 50s and we're gonna start putting people in outer space. So I think if you think about that, like what's gonna happen in 30, 40 years, I think that curve is so freaking steep that it's hard not to visualize. It's gonna be something way beyond what we can imagine. Mm-hmm. And the idea of like me, Dave Burke, you needing me to do that is... It's a little arrogant, I guess, based on if you think of it. Like, <laughs> hey, man, you know, I, I I love to consider myself a smart guy, but give give the computers thirty five years from now. I think I think a lot is going to change. Uh, there's a lot of things changing right now.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things changing right now. The um, you know, the battlefield in Ukraine right now. The tanks are getting taken out at like a couple miles away, with no, you know, by a ground by a, by a man packed, munition. Yeah. That's a game changer. Like, they, like all of a sudden in one short period of time, tanks are a little bit obsolete if you look at it from that perspective. So things are changing. All right, back to leadership here. Of course, with this particular group of service personnel, I am considering leadership as it applies to a military unit. However, having been associated with industry for some time now, I find it difficult to completely separate the principles of military and industrial leadership. They have much in common. So he agrees with us. Leadership is leadership in selecting a company in which to invest our savings we often give primary consideration to the company with good leadership in a similar manner a military unit is often judged by its leadership good leadership is essential to organized action where any group is involved the one who commands be he a military officer or captain of industry must project power and energizing power which coordinates coordinates and marshals the best efforts of his followers by supplying that certain something for which they look to him, be it guidance support, encouragement, example, or even new ideas and imagination so I mean this is um the this is what why leadership is the most important thing on the battlefield right but it's so it's so interesting that this guy he's talking about. These, these like so, this guy that spent his whole life in leadership can't really put his finger on what he's talking about. You know what I mean? He's like, could be, could be guidance, could be support, could be encouragement, could be example, could be new ideas. That's a, that's a wide range of stuff. The test of a leader lies in the reaction and response of his followers. Now, that's a good, that's a good statement. If your people aren't doing what you need them to do, you're, you're doing something wrong. He should not have to impose authority. Bossiness in itself never made a leader. So there you go. Which is also, again, for those people that are up there with the stereotype of the military leader, here's this guy saying you shouldn't have to impose your authority. And you know what, we were at Gettysburg and I started talking about authority and like authority, the things people call on for authority, rank, time in experience, uh, knowledge, technical knowledge, like all those things, people can call on that and use it as authority. Like I've been doing this. Hey, I've been podcasting for three years, man. You don't know what you're talking like that kind of thing. That's just a, Mm -hmm. that's just a argument of authority. Mm -hmm. So it goes beyond just rank. Continue on. He must make his influence felt by example and the instilling of confidence in his followers. The greatness of a leader is measured by the achievements of the led. This is the ultimate test of his effectiveness. Chuck, I'm on board of that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and and listen, I'll, I'll make this comment now so I don't have to come back to it. Like that comments, I would say a timeless comment. Your achievement as a leader is based on what your people accomplish if you listen to what I said five minutes ago and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna outsource my leadership to a computer down the road, that's not a good plan. The attributes, the, the, the behaviors of good leadership, regardless of what computers might be able to do in the future, the most important thing you could ever possibly do is make you and the people around you better leaders. So don't get all wrapped up on this. AI is gonna solve your problems. Uh, I don't know when it will, if it ever will, but between now and then, learning how to be a good leader is a really good use of your time.
0: Well, it's the uh, most important thing. Nothing nothing that you can do as an individual human can ever compete with what you can do with a team. That's it. Yeah Uh, Too frequently we use the words leader and commander synonymously We should not forget that there are far more staff officer assignments than there are command billets and a good staff Officer can and should display the same leadership as a commander while it takes a good staff officer to initiate an effective plan It requires a leader to ensure that the plan is properly executed. That is why you and I have been taught that the work of collecting information, studying it, drawing a plan, making a decision is 10% of the job and seeing that the plan, seeing the plan through is the other 90%. A well-trained officer is one who could serve effectively either as a staff officer or as a commander. You know this is the the conversation that you and I have we've had it at the muster a few times because uh when and i wrote about it in extreme ownership with seth stone and writing on his <laughs> writing on his humvee window um relax here's what you do when you start getting shot at bro one relax two look around three make a call and then you and i had a conversation about, about it and you were lining it up with the ooda loop and the last thing in the in the ooda loop is act after you decide you act and they didn't quite line up because I didn't say execute or act when I put that thing on Seth Stone's board uh, on his window. And the reason I didn't have to say that is because his platoon was like ready to do whatever the hell he said to do, right? He, he, they weren't having a problem with execution, he was just having a problem with the side. You were only solving the parts that he wasn't yes. doing, so you didn't yes. need to
2: add a component that was already happening with that yeah. guy, yeah.
0: And that's what this is. It, getting people to actually do things that's what he's saying is 90% of the job. Sitting there and coming up with a plan is okay. I mean, it's you know, there's, there's some small challenges to coming up with a plan, but not really. I mean, if you have time to plan, then you have time to assess different angles and look at things and come up and try different little courses of actions and run through some war games, some, some possibilities, and then you got a plan, you're good. But getting people to actually execute that thing, that's what's a challenge. That's where things fall apart, by the way. That's where dreams die. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> dreams die in execution. They don't. The dream comes out, man. The dream flourishes in someone's mind, right? People, go, people live out the entire fantasy, the, the entire dream. People live out like Echo comes out up with an idea for a movie. Right? Sure. He lives out the whole fantasy, the Oscar awards, like <laughs> the whole thing, the limos, like the red carpet. He's got a, that whole thing.
1: Sure.
0: But guess what he fails on? Execution. Right. Like it's like, oh, but now I gotta work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like now I gotta take and I gotta do this thing.
1: Yeah.
0: So dreams die in that, in that space mm. between decide and act, that's where dreams die. Between mm. idea and execution, that's where dreams die.
2: Mm.
0: And that's why a leader's, a leader's job is to make that execution happen. And here's the thing. This is another thing, Seth, Seth Stone, we got interviewed about uh, the Battle of Ramadi and, and Seth told the interviewer that I had to like beat, I had to beat my head against the wall for every operation that we were able to do, which was an exaggeration. But the fact of the matter is, and I would tell that story to the young officers, like if you think you're gonna do a mission without like making that mission happen, you're not going to be able to. You're. It's almost. It's very rare that you're going to be able to. That that an operation, you come up with a plan and and like, okay, I set it in motion and now it's just gonna happen. No, you have to like fight every step of the way, and that's the way it is in business. That's the way it is in life.
2: Yeah, I, I, I I'm picturing trying to convince other people that that you need to be on board with when you've come up with a plan knowing that they're gonna have to be on board with that plan. And when when he says you're gonna beat your head against the wall, I, I think, like you said, your point is just the amount of sheer work that it takes. You don't just like, hey, you guys, and they're like, cool, and <laughs> it just happens. It's all the other people and all the things they have to do and where leadership comes in on that, just to convince people, and I hate to say it, there are times that are people are out there that just wanna say no. They just wanna say no to your plan. Oh, yeah. and. You, especially if there's rank involved. You can't just tell those people what to do. You gotta lead your way around those things and they're so much harder than sometimes people give credit for. And how often I'll see people run into a, a barrier and then stop. And, and give up then. And so I, I literally wrote down dreams, die, and execution. I mean, it's kind of funny <laughs> when you say it, but that's the hardest part. Not the, I could sit at my desk and I would do this all the time in Ramadi. I had these ideas like, hey, we're gonna do this. We're gonna go here. We're gonna make all these things happen. And then reality is in there. And the hardest part about that is the people you have to get on board to making this stuff happen. Not your people going ready to go execute, but all the things that get in the way of to the point where you can go execute that
0: plan. Yeah, you, you ever heard the term "idea guy"? And he's an idea yes. guy. You know, which is a bummer. Mm. It's it's and this is this is a huge dichotomy. Is that for me? Like, okay, let's say I'm gonna write a book. Let's say I'm gonna write "Way of the Warrior Kid." The idea is the is by far the hardest part of that. It is so hard to come up with an idea like that's viable and good. It, it well, I, I shouldn't even say it's hard work. It's almost like a, it's almost like life. Mm. It's almost like life. Like you can't, you can't create life. Like, hey, a scientist knows the various ingredients that are in a cell, but they can't make, it. they can't mix them together and make it come to life. Mm. Right? As tenacious D said, you can't manufacture inspirato. So, yeah. so it's it's this dichotomy because the hardest thing you could do, like write a hit song, mm. right? Oh my gosh, like everybody knows what chords it is. Like there's four chords, five chords that you're gonna be using, whatever. And yet, Jack White is writing hit song after hit song after hit song coming out. He's, he's bringing them out of thin air, right? Mm-hmm. And yet someone else is spending their entire life trying and they can't make it happen. So it's weird that you can have, because I, I kind of wrote down a note, I was like ideas have no value. Because ideas by themselves have no value. They have no value. And you have a riff in your head or you got an idea for some new component or whatever. If it's just an idea, man, it has no value. And that's proven out in the fact that if you go and find investors for your idea, they're going to buy your idea for pennies on the dollar. And you're going to own like a little tiny piece of it if you're lucky. If you are, if now, if you are able to hang on to the idea and you're able to execute, you could end up being, you know, Peter Thiel or Elon Musk that came up with the idea of PayPal and held onto it for long enough that okay here we go. So have you got to you got to just think like, it's like it's like a it's a war man it's a war the whole thing from the idea that you come up with that's great to the execution and by the way if you're an idea guy and you're stubborn don't be stu- I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some advice don't be stubborn find somebody that's an execution guy. And be like, hey, dude, I got a really good idea. Do you want to help me execute this thing? And there's all kinds of different people out there. And some people are idea people, and some people are execution people, and you got to work with these other people to get things to move. Very few people are going to come up with an idea, execute the idea properly with the right logistics to make this thing work. That's why you build a team. So I was a radio man in the day, back in the day. So I was a radio man, which meant I was always out in the field and I had a little flashlight with me, right? I had a little red lens flashlight and I would tape it up so it would be really, really dim because a little bit of light goes a long way and you just need to look at your your uh, radio in the dark and you gotta t- turn on your little flashlight. But you know, you have A, a batteries and they wear out and you know, it gets left, like, oh, there's all kinds of problems and it's big. And I remember one day I was in a helicopter and I'm looking at the pilot, and the pilot's reading his map, and he's got a lip light. You know what this is, Dave mm-hmm. Burke? I'm sure you do. Yeah, right. It's what like so where they where their headset, you know, where their radio comes out.
2: Mm-hmm. There was
0: a little. How did you turn it on?
2: I think like either like your tongue or something like whatever the uh, el- magne- electro or I'm drawn a Blank, but like your your contact with it illuminated the light. And like what you, it if was, you bite down on it or to close yeah, your lips? Yeah, something.
0: Like that, yeah. So, but all it was was an LED. A little dim LED light that you could see. Mm. And it's like LED like every light in my house right now is an LED light. Mm. But I but I didn't think, oh, I should make flashlights, little tiny, tiny flashlights like that. Because you had you wouldn't have looked at remember when you were a kid and you had some kind of a toy that was <laughs> lit up with an LED light? Sure. It's like any random toy. They had little LED lights. Those are bright enough to be a flashlight. Mm. And I was a radio man and I didn't put two and two together. And by the time when Iraq, the Iraq war started, someone else came out with little LED flashlights and now that's all that everybody uses, period. Yeah. So there's a classic example. I, I didn't, that idea is worth probably hundreds and hundreds of millions, probably worth billions of dollars now of LED flashlights. It was right in front of me, it was dancing around, I didn't see it. So that that idea would have had unlimited value to me if I mm-hmm. could have executed, mm-hmm. but I couldn't, I didn't know it. Yeah. I just didn't know it. So. Th- that's why the idea has limitless value, but at the same time, if you don't execute something, no value at all.
1: that kind of the same as Bluetooth. Remember, because when Bluetooth <laughs> came out, right, mm. it was like just the earpiece. It's like that's Bluetooth. Now, like everything is Bluetooth. Yeah, Bluetooth. There's like no wire. Yeah. There's no wire anymore yeah, necessary.
0: And, and Bluetooth owns like Bluetooth. They own that stuff, so they're getting yeah, paid. Yeah, yeah. Imagine getting paid on every set of head of Bluetooth headphones now and a every Bluetooth, Bluetooth speaker and Bluetooth, yeah. So there's a, TV, there's a good one. Oh, yeah. A little technology activity. All right, going back to the book here. I can recall a former vice president of one of the companies with which I'm associated. He would formulate some good plans but never followed up to see that his plans got expected results. I knew he had served in World War II, so out of curiosity, I looked into the nature of his service and found that his entire period of service was a staff officer. He had never had the advantage of a command job, so his training was incomplete. Maybe if he'd remained in the service longer, we could have deployed, developed his leadership qualities as well, and this man would still be with the company. <laughs> the dude got fired. So there you go. Couldn't execute. Good at coming up with plans, just couldn't get him executed. You may have heard the story about General Pershing World War One. While inspecting a certain area, he found a project that was not going too well, even though the second lieutenant in charge seemed to have a pretty good plan. General Pershing asked the lieutenant how much pay he received, and when the lieutenant replied $141.67 per month, sir, General Pershing said, just remember that you get paid $1.67 for making your plan and issuing the order and $140 for seeing that it gets carried out. <laughs> I think I heard that story about Patton too. I guess maybe Patton heard it from, from Pershing. I am not sure that I would go to that extreme. Certainly in these days, problems are complex and good staff work plays a large part in resolving them. I have known commanders who were not too smart, but they were very knowledgeable about personnel and knew enough to select the very best for their staffs. Remember, a good leader is one who causes or inspires others, staff or subordinate commanders to do the job. Isn't that an interesting word? Causes or inspires, like it's just happening. Furthermore, no leader knows it all, although you sometimes may find one who seems to think he does, and that's coming from that's from the document. Even he had to deal with people that thought they knew everything. A leader should encourage the members of his staff to speak up if they think the commander is wrong. He should, give, he should invite constructive criticism. It is a grave error for the leader to surround himself with a yes staff see he developed this idea and i executed it in the book leadership strategy and tactics don't be you know no no yes man right he's knowing this general george c marshall was an excellent exponent of the principle of having subordinates speak up when he first became chief of staff of the army The secretariat of that office consisted of three officers who presented orally to General Marshall, the staff papers or studies coming from the divisions of the general staff. I was a member of the secretariat. We presented in abbreviated form the contents of the staff studies citing the highlights of the problem involved, the various, possibilities course, various possible courses of action considered, and the action recommended. At the end of his first week as chief of staff, Marshall called us into his office and opened the discussion by saying, I am disappointed in all of you. When we inquired if we might ask why, he said, you haven't disagreed with a single thing I have done all week we told them it so happened that we were in full agreement with every paper that had been presented that we knew what he wanted and that we would add our comments to anything that we considered should be questioned the very next day we presented a paper as written and then expressed some thoughts which in our opinion made the recommended action questionable general Marshall said now that is what I want unless I hear all the arguments against an action i am not sure whether i am right or not i was at ftx with echelon front and i said something along the lines of and i actually wrote it down but it's something along the lines of if you don't get any pushback it's it's a warning So, and that's his leader and it could be a warning for a bunch of different it's a symptom for a bunch of different problems Like the primary one hey, maybe everyone's scared of to tell you what they actually think of your stupid plan Maybe you're hoarding information so they can't even assess whether a plan is accurate or not Maybe you've got them trained to a point where all they want to do is agree with you if you train your leaders like you can do such a Exquisite job training your leaders that you've replicated yourself and you don't want to replicate yourself you want to have people that have different perspectives. That's the goal.
2: Yeah, I wrote down, you were going, kind of going through that list of all the potential reasons why. I know there's more, but I wrote down, we all see it the same way. And how easy it is it to fall in the trap of like, that's a good thing. That's not a good thing. We, I don't want people, and the whole point of the risk behind that is is we could have a great relationship. You see the way I operate. We, we get aligned. We get fundamentally observing you know the, the world the same way, and that seems like such a good thing, but it's not. I actually want you to see it from a perspe- from a perspective that I don't see, and be like, "Hey, dude, you don't see what I'm seeing over here." So, when we talk about being aligned, we want alignment on what our outcomes want to be and what the objective is. But I don't want everybody seeing the problem the same way that I see the problem.
0: Mm. And you know, even checking out what we want our outcomes to be. Uh, I've worked with clients before where I'm like, well. well why do you wanna do that? I remember I was working with a client that was like, we, 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 we wanna grow by X percentage. I was like, well, why, why do you wanna do that? Yeah. What's the reason? Well, because cause we wanna grow. Okay, so what is it gonna to take to grow? And you start, like, why do you wanna do that? Some, some businesses, they get into a good spot. And look, we are programmed now in the business world, right? programmed to, hey, growth. Growth is success. And there's a lot of reality to that, right? There's a lot of reality to growth and success, depending on the type of business. But like you, you get a small family business and well, they got, you know, husband and wife, they got a good business going and they have a kid and they want to grow the business. Well, you know, what, what does that kid want to do? Mm-hmm. Does that kid wanna take over the family business? Is do they want to keep this business at a sustainable rate where they can kind of continue on with their business and don't have to look? You're getting oh you oh you go to uh, you go to Florida every every winter for three weeks. When you're if you grow your business, all of a sudden that Florida trip three weeks you can't do that anymore. So you listen. So what are you trying to do? So even like where's our outcome? You need to even question that. And this is a great example. You know we've gone through in the well with Vietnam. With Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, um, to what end? Yeah. And I, I know Jamie just did on the Woman's Assemble. She, ta- she talked about To What End, which is a book by Ward Justin. And she took what I had talked about at the council. At the council, I kind of opened up talking about to what end. And this is what Ward just was asking about the Vietnam War. Here we are. We're spending billions of dollars. We're losing American lives. We're killing a bunch of Vietnamese people. To what end? What are we trying to do here? And if you have that attitude in every decision that you make, you know, when Echo wakes up in the morning, goes down, you know, to the donut shop. And orders a donut. Like, to to what end are you doing this? If you ask yourself that honestly, to what end? Well, I know it's going to taste good. Okay, but like, where are you going to be in a few years? Well, you know what? Actually, I'm doing this right now. I get it. I'm just going to have this donut. But you know, I'm going to do a hard workout later, and I'm not going to eat anything else sweet for the next, you know, couple days. So okay, so you have a plan. But where people lose it is when they're not actually thinking about where they're trying to go. That's the problem. So ask yourself that question, to what end? And if your boss is telling you to do something, or your boss has come up with a plan, or you're presenting a, bo- a plan to your boss and your boss doesn't agree with you, you might be you might not be aligned on where you're trying to go. Well wait a second, are we trying to grow the business? Okay, well what part of the business are we trying to grow? There's all kinds of questions to be asked here. So pay attention to those things. Uh, If you happen to be a detail, if you happen to be detailed to a staff, try to be a good staff officer and if possible, avoid being a yes man. I would suggest to all commanders that they inform the members of their staffs that anyone who does not disagree once in a while with what is about to be done is, is of limited value and perhaps should be shifted to some other place where he might occasionally have an idea. So you got someone that never disagrees with you, get rid of them. They're, they're not helping you. Of course I am thinking about the decision making process. After a decision is made, everyone must be behind it 100%. I thought the British were admirable in this respect during World War II. No matter how much discussion there had been on a subject, as soon as a decision was made, you never heard any doubts expressed. You had to believe that everyone involved in making the decision had never entertained any ideas except those expressed in the decision. We could talk for a long, long, long time about this. Um, And the reason we could talk for a long, long time about this is because there's an element that comes into play when Dave and I and Echo are discussing how we're gonna execute something, and that's that thing that comes into play is Dave's ego, Echo's ego, and my ego. And once those things are in play, all of a sudden it's very difficult for us to walk out of the room feeling like I support Dave's plan 100%. It's very, very difficult, because damn, I'm just a little bit more tactically savvy than Dave is, and he's imposing this plan on me, and he's not listening to what I'm saying, and I'm gonna be pissed. And by the way, I'm pissed, but Echo's even more pissed, because his plan was even more disparate than mine was from Dave's plans, and his ego's even bigger, so now we, now he's, Totally against what we're doing, but you've barked the order. So we're gonna go do it and We're gonna do it pissed and we're not gonna be successful. When you put ego into this equation
2: This is what causes the problem Yeah, and that ego That ego when it comes out Will reveal itself when I now have to do your plan and it doesn't quite go the way that you were thinking and I kind of <laughs> Know that that's gonna happen that my ego's almost gonna be happy to see that failure. I'm gonna take some, and I might I might be keeping my ego mostly in control, but there's a little part of me, if I don't really have that thing in check, a little part of me that's wants this little hiccup, this little error, this little failure, this little setback, I almost want it to happen. And when I get to the point of how I'm actually supposed to work through that and solve that problem, and my ego's really barking at, hey, you knew this was coming, you knew Jocko's plan was stupid, you knew this was gonna happen, it's almost like I want that failure to occur so I can see the to ego, told you, man, mm-hmm. as opposed to solving that, which I probably can, mm-hmm. but how powerful the ego is to, and I think you've said it like, I'd rather be right than win.
0: Oh yeah, there's been <laughs> countless people. And, and you know, a good, uh, the, the ultimate example of that is there's people that would rather die themselves and get their men killed Then subordinate their ego to someone else or admit admit that they were wrong wrong about something like that. And then there's there's examples throughout history, disgusting examples like that. Now, here's a, a, I'm gonna give everyone just a beautiful, beautiful piece of advice right now. (laughs) And you know I don't say this very often. This is a beautiful piece of advice for everyone. Here's my default mode when I walk into the planning room with Dave and Echo. My default mode is going with Dave's plan, or I'm going with Echo's plan. My default mode is to support someone else's plan. That's my default mode. My default mode is not to impose my plan on everybody else. Never, and by the way, it doesn't matter if I'm the boss walking in to talk to you guys, or if I'm the subordinate walking in to talk. It doesn't matter. My default mode is I'm gonna go with someone else's plan. I'm gonna go with what you recommend. The only, and look, if you come up with the most wazoo plan ever created, BTF Tony. BTF Tony, who I love, who's freaking tactical, he's, he's as tactically sound as any human has ever been. And like he came up with a plan <laughs> in Ramadi. He's like, I want to take the freaking, like, he wanted to, he, it was something that was like legitimately insane. He wanted to take the little side, like a little side by side, with him, just by himself, and do like a patrol out into some random part of Ramadi and set up in a building or something, because he thought he could get away with it just going by himself. And I was like, Tony, bro, you can't do that, dude. You can't, you can't just go by yourself. And you know what? Hey, there's actually a ninety percent chance that it would have worked. There's also a ten percent chance we never saw Tony again, which I wasn't willing <laughs> to put the risk out. Right? So, Tony, I'm sorry, but like unless someone just comes up, but other than that one time, Tony and I, in the time that we worked together, we were never in disagreement about a plan more than like .01%. You know, like, oh, hit it from here, yep, sounds good. And you know what, basically, eventually, as I worked with Leif and Seth, it, it all became that. Now, what I had to be careful of is what you already gave warning of. Like, I didn't want to say like, oh, Leif came up with a plan, that's great, I don't question. I would always pull myself back far enough to go, okay, just make sure Leif, yep, look at stoner's plan, I go, oh, just make sure, yep. Hey, is there anything I can, can I poke any holes in this? I hate saying devil's advocate, but you have to be a little bit of a devil's advocate to make sure that you're, you're trying to poke holes in plans to see if there's any holes in there because you don't want to miss anything. And the only way to be able to do that is if you're detached, obviously, but, default subordinate your ego and let's go with Dave's plan. Sounds good, man. And, and, and that's how you roll. That's how you solve that problem. And by the way, the only part of you that really thinks your plan is better. is just your ego. Cause cause here's what you're planning. What you're planning is something that you can't know you're planning something that's going to happen in the future. Something that's going to happen on enemy territory or against a competitor or in a market you don't understand. That's what you're doing. So when you come up with a plan, it's about something that you can't guarantee anyways. So why would you commit or overcommit to it? Doesn't make any sense. (sighs) So be careful of that. Um, I don't wanna overemphasize leadership of senior officers. My interest extends to leaders of all ranks. I would caution you to always remember that an essential qualification of a good leader is the ability to recognize, select, and train junior leaders. I would like to quote from a book entitled Born at Reveille and written by Colonel Red Reader. I have this book in the queue, by the way. Colonel Reader was on a trip for General Marshall and one of his assignments was to inquire into his junior leadership. This is an account of his conversation with Colonel Bryant Moore on Guadalcanal. Colonel Moore, I said, tell me something about leadership. I had hit a sensitive spot. He forged ahead, leadership. The greatest problem here is the leaders and you have to find some way to weed out the weak ones. It's tough to do this when you're in combat. The platoon leaders who cannot command, who cannot foresee things and who cannot act on spur of the moment in an emergency are a distinct detriment. That's what's so interesting this had a bunch of conversations with my last client about um, The psychology of military incompetence and the Authoritarian mindset and how people do well that do well in garrison don't do well in combat and That's what he's talking about people who can't foresee things people who cannot act on the spur of the moment in an emergency He goes on to say here it's hot here as you can see men struggle they get heat exhaustion they come out vomiting and throwing away equipment the leaders must be leaders and they must be alert to establish straggler lines and stop this thing the men have been taught to take salt tablets but the leaders don't see to this the result heat exhaustion the good leaders seem to get killed the poor leaders get the men killed The big problem is leadership and getting the shoulder straps on the right people. 60 millimeter Japanese mortars shells fell about 30 yards away and attacked a number of coconut trees. I lost interest in taking dictation and the colonel stopped talking. When the salvo was over and things were quiet again, Bryant Moore said, Where was I? You saw that patrol. I tell you this, not one man in 50 can lead a patrol in this jungle if you can find one who the good patrol if you can find out who the good patrol leaders are before you hit a combat zone you have found something i have had to get rid of about 25 officers because they just weren't leaders i had to make the battalion commander weed out poor junior leaders this process is continuous our junior leaders are finding out that they must know more about their men the good leaders know their men man <clears throat> the, um, It's weird that he would wrap up that section with "Good leaders know their men." After talking about all these other things, good leaders know their men. He goes on, now this is getting out of the quote from that book, um, raised at, or born at Reveille it says, "What are the distinguishing characteristics of a leader?" There are many essential characteristics that he must possess but i will mention a few that come to mind as perhaps most important first he must know his job without necessarily being a specialist in every phase of it a few years ago it was suggested that all engineering subjects be eliminated from required studies at west point I objected. For example, bridge building is a specialty for engineers. Yet, I think every senior officer should have some idea of what is involved. When we reached the Rhine in World War II, it was not necessary that I know how to build a bridge, but it was very helpful that I knew what was involved so that I could see that the bridge engineers received proper support in tonnage, allowed and an idea of the time involved. Specialties dominate almost every problem faced today by the military leader or the business manager the the, this individual must get deeply enough into his problem that he can understand it and intelligently manage it without going so far as to become a specialist himself in every phase of the problem. You don't have to be a tank expert in order to effectively use a tank of your command.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> this makes me think of the basic school for the Marine Corps mm. is that f- philosophy is I don't care what your job's going to be. You're going to have some exposure to everything else. You're not going to be an expert in any of it, but it sure does help a lot if I'm going to work with you and you're an engineer and have some framework for what you're doing. So I know what the challenges are. So I know how to help you or support you or make sure you're at least getting what you what you need. Uh, and the idea of not being a specialist, but knowing what all your specialists are dealing with, I mean, that served me well, and I think the very start for that for, them, for me was the Marine Corps, the basic school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get that baseline set for everybody. Everything. Yep.
0: And, and look, when you're at a business, or you go into a business, or you take over a business, or you move into a new department, it, you don't have to become an expert, but to sit down and walk around, walk the floor, go and do that thing. You know, go, go get on the manufacturing line and do the various parts of the job
2: so that you, look, you're gonna be terrible at it, you've never done it before, but go do it. Yeah, and it's crazy how how easy that is and how much, and I'm not exaggerating, like in one day, in one day, how much you can learn from just spending one day out there. You do not need, nor do they expect you to be an expert on any of this stuff. And not just the mileage you get by just building the relationship, but the amount of time that it takes to get a, a, exposure to what they're doing is actually really small. You don't need that much time to get out there on the line and go, oh, hey, let me try that. Hey, can I see that? Hey, how does this work? And just in a few hours, what you can learn, especially when you're starting at zero. If you're starting yeah. at zero, you're gonna learn infinitely more in just a little bit of time. So if you see this some giant daunting task, it's really not, it's not nearly as hard. And I remember this learning about, how the, you know, inside of a squadron all the different things worked. You spend an hour or two with somebody and just sit with them and have them show you their job and then you do their job for a little bit in a couple hours what you can learn from that.
0: Yeah, and compared to the people that didn't do that, oh, you're dude. a freaking expert. Totally. So, all right, here's one to here's one to remember. Thomas J. Watson of IBM once said that genius in an executive is the ability to deal successfully with matters he does not understand. <laughs> so good. And and my note when I read that is the genius what will make this person be able to successfully deal with matters that they don't understand is having the humility to admit that they don't understand and saying all right let's let's get this figured out because I don't know what to do right now this leads to another principle of leadership which I have also often found neglected both in military and in business while you need not be a specialist in all phases of your job You should have a proportionate degree of interest in every aspect of it. And those concerned, your subordinates should be aware of your interest. That's what you just talked about, Dave. You must get around and show interest in what your subordinates are doing, even if you don't know much about the technique of their work. And when you are making these visits, try to pass out praise when due, as well as corrections or criticism. There you go what you just talked about. Go light on the criticism part, you don't even know what the hell you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Let me show you how to work that thing there, son. No, don't do that. We tend to speak up only when things go wrong. This is such a well-recognized fact that a complaint department is an essential part of many business firms. To my knowledge, no comparable faculty exists anywhere to expedite the handling of praise for a job well done. (laughs) It's a good point. We all get enough criticism and we learn to take it. Even Sir Winston Churchill, despite his matchless accomplishment, found occasion to say, I have benefited enormously from criticism and at no point did I suffer from any perceptible lack thereof. So he's always getting criticized, even Churchill. But let us remember that praise also has a role to play. Napoleon was probably the finest exponent of this principle of recognition through his use of a quarter inch of ribbon to improve the morale and get results it's the quote from Napoleon where he said you can basically get it someone to do anything by giving them a little ribbon <laughs> and he's right uh, both mental and physical energy are essential to successful leadership how many good leaders have you known who were lazy or weak or who couldn't stand the strain Sherman was a good example of a leader with outstanding mental and physical energy I cite him with some trepidation because some of you may be from Georgia However during the advance from Chattanooga to Atlanta He often went for days with only two or three hours of sleep per night and was constantly in the saddle Reconning and often knew the dispositions and terrain so well that he could maneuver the enemy out of position without a serious fight and with minimum losses Conversely, a sick commander is of limited value. It is not fair to the troops under him to have a leader who's not functioning 100%. I had to relieve several senior commanders during World War II because of illness. It is often pointed out that Napoleon didn't lose a major battle until Waterloo where he was a sick man. So, lazy, weak, that's a problem. A leader should possess human understanding. And consideration for others, men are not robots and should not be treated as though they were machines. So this goes back to the idea of AI. Mm-hmm. But I think you're—I think they're pretty easily going to be able to put morale and emotion, m- emotional programming into leadership decision making. Oh, squints, squints <laughs> over there from Echo Charles. Am I it, wrong? It
1: eventually. Yeah, I mean, I guess an argument for AI is like. If you know how ai works it's like it's a constantly learning 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 yeah. learning right from like input input learn 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 so in the beginning it'll probably be like freaking you ever watch
0: demolition man remember that movie i think but, i'm pretty sure i walked out of the movie demolition man okay so
1: and then did makes, i miss something because that, that looked sense. like it was dumb
0: well <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna argue whether Is or not. It, it was Sylvester dumb. Or dumb. Yeah, yeah, it, I walked out. Of it that. was dumb. So it was dumb, seemingly. It was really dumb, right? Seemingly, but oh, there's an odd layer I missed out on. Just yeah. a metaphorical masterpiece <laughs> that I that snuck by me. Look, I wouldn't say masterpiece. Okay,
1: <laughs> but there's a part on there, real subtle part. Subtlety, subtlety, where Simon Phoenix. Right. He's a bad guy. Got a, okay. got a, a cryo prison, whatever. And he goes to one of these booths. There's these booths rolling around like the, there's just a booth for like whatever you want kind of a thing. It's like an ATM for anything. So this booth can give you like it's like the Internet is on there and all this stuff. But it can give you a mood adjustment. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, oh, I want an ego boost. Right. And you press the buttons or whatever. And it says, boy, you look great today <laughs> like that kind of stuff but in real life, that wouldn't really work, right? Because you're programming into a machine. I need to eagle. Po- oh, you look great today, a machine giving me compliments after I asked it. Like, brother, that doesn't work like that. But the AI thinks it does, see what I'm saying? So if you're trying to program emotional stuff, like morale boosting stuff in an AI at
0: first, it's gonna look like that. Yeah, but uh, but here's my counter argument. I don't really wanna go full like Lex Friedman like, discussion on AI because I don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. But you could probably, put a program in there that it would say something like, Hey, Echo, Charles, I've assessed your appearance and comparatively to the rest of the population today, you are in the top 6% of looking good. Congratulations, Echo, go have a <laughs> fun day. So now all of a sudden it's giving you some data. Here's to my try hypothesis. You.
1: I, I get it. And look, that's not a terrible assessment, but I would think, I think anyway, and try to search your uh, emotional soul. Not you, Jocko, Dave. <laughs> search your emotional like, part of where where like, even if it's true, if it's coming from a machine, who cares? Mm. It has to come from an actual person who quote unquote understands me, at the very least, as a person. See what I'm saying? Mm. So like an ego boost from a machine, just the mere fact that it's not from an actual person, bro, it's, it's hard. Bro, you I can't ever, get have there, you bro. Ever,
0: have you ever had any kind of like feelings towards an inanimate object, like a guitar. Like you've, you've you've had like real expensive computers, right? Yes. Have you ever had a computer that you kind of had like some kind of bond with? No. No, and here, to answer your question. Dave, did you have any kind of bond with your
2: airplane? Oh, hell yeah, absolutely. Get, but, <laughs> as soon as but you said that, I'm like, I, I I have feelings for the airplanes that I flew. I remember looking at them going, damn. Right, but and that's- And I like, would be surprised if you didn't look at a heavy machine going to go, "I really like the way you look today.": <laughs> Yeah, but
1: the machine isn't the thing that's giving you the compliment. It's like it'll have to do, I think, you know, I don't know, I could be wrong." Mm-hmm. I'm not Lex Friedman, you guys know this. It usually has to do a lot with, or probably everything to do with, what you specifically did in with this machine that gave you certain personal feelings, like personal,
0: unique, very unique yeah, in, like the, not replicable. Uh, you gotta remember, like right now there's chat, there's people right now, there's bots on Twitter today, probably less today, but there's, there's bots and stuff out there that are having conversations with people that people can't tell. Uh, yeah, they can tell. Oh, yes, true. So, but once it, they knew it was a bot, if you tell them it's a bot, brother, it's
1: going to change. Right. They're not going to be, oh, equally as so, in so love. So the or-
0: only thing you got to get over is like the little hump of you just tell people like, oh, no, this thing can actually assess wh- where you're at. And then people go, okay, this computer's smarter than your wife. So your wife telling you look good is fine. But this thing telling you look good is factual. So there you go. Believe it. Ego up. What'd you say? Ego boost? Ego, ego boost. Yeah. Ego boost. I'm
1: trying to think like, because now that you put it like that, I, I kind of am like, yeah, maybe, but like, I still, it's hard. Let think me about give you it. an example.
0: Let me give you an example. JP DeNell. Sure. Hell yeah. He was wearing like a wrist strap that told him if he was tired or not. Yeah. He believed it. Yeah. He took it off yeah. because he was having bad days. Yeah. Because that thing told him he was tired. He didn't feel tired, but right. he that thing said, "Hey, you're tired," and he was like, "Oh, damn, I'm tired. Uh, uh, yeah." And so he did. That happened a few times. He said, "You know what? This is bullshit." Yeah, but so the- he believed the machine. It affected his mood because it had the data. Mm. So end of discussion i think you can just stand down bro because i think that he just got proven wrong <laughs> <laughs> so like if it was like an evaluation, <laughs> he's got ego so, down so, <laughs> <laughs> so
1: if it was like a report card like <clears throat> a report card that maybe because think about it okay this team needs a morale boost
0: they're mm-hmm. losing mm-hmm. right
1: or whatever so what what would the machine do like assess the good things that are happening and report back yeah kind hey, of a imagine
0: thing? imagine at halftime yeah. The the coach comes in and he's like, "Hey, I'm checking your, your whoop straps right now. Yeah. I'm checking your data. Yeah. Everyone has more energy than they had at halftime. Than we did at the last game that we won. You guys have the power to get." And that was true. Yeah, yeah. So, that's the, that that machine can you affect your mood? Is what I'm saying. I guess. Yep. Yep.
1: I guess like hidden information or something that you might be ignoring. Like that something like that. I'm saying
0: that a machine can affect someone's mood. Hey, you know when I have a machine affect my mood? Damn printer doesn't work, Yeah. right? Printer doesn't work, all of a sudden I'm like, damn, I'm mad, Mm. I get angry. (laughs) I think that's a different thing, but. All (laughs) All right, so check this out. What we're saying is men are not robots and should not be treated as if they were. And he says this, I do not by any means suggest coddling. But men are highly intelligent, complicated beings who respond favorable, favorably to human understanding and consideration. By this means, their leader will get maximum effort from each of them. He will also get loyalty, and in this connection, it is well to remember that loyalty goes down as well as up. The sincere leader will go to bat for his subordinates when such action is needed. Take care of your people and your people will take care of you. A good leader must sometimes be stubborn. Here, I am reminded of the West Point Cadet Prayer. A leader must be able to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. Armed with courage of his convictions, he must often fight to defend them. Then he has to come to decision. After thorough analysis... And when he is sure he is right, he must stick to it even to the point of stubbornness. Grant furnishes a good illustration of this trait. He never knew when he was supposed to be licked. A less stubborn man might have lost at Shiloh. Maybe you've heard the story of Grant in the Richmond campaign when, after being up all night, making his reconnaissance and formulating and issuing orders, he lay down under a tree and fell asleep. Sometime later, a courier rode up and informed the general that disaster had hit his right flank and that his troops at the end of that line were in full retreat. General Grant sat up, shook his head to clear the cobwebs, and said, it can't be so, and went back to sleep. And it wasn't so. He had confidence in himself and in his subordinate leaders. So, there you go. And we just—have uh, you had a chance to listen to the Civil War? No, not yet. Excursion. We're just about Grant's just about to roll in the scene from the east, or sorry, from the west, the west or the western campaign. Grant's about to roll in there because he's winning. So, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to get into him as a leader. He goes on to say this, I do not mean to infer that there is always just one solution to a problem. Usually there's one best solution, but any good plan boldly executed is better than indecision. There is usually more than one way to attain results. This goes back to what I was saying earlier. That's why I'll go with Dave's plan, I'll go with Echo's plan, I don't care. I don't care because the time we waste arguing about which way is better is time of indecision. And that's what's going to cost us. So, Dave, you got a decent plan, vi- a minimally viable plan? Cool, go, execute. Damn, we we work together right now, Dave. You are executing things like <laughs> wildly uh, often. Yeah. Executing plans, executing missions. And I mean, you usually sometimes give me like a after action report sometimes about how it went and everything. Yeah. Is there something? Yeah. Out, outstanding that happened. Outstanding in any direction. Maybe something good. Maybe something like, "Oh, this week we could have done this better." Yeah. But I mean, that's how you have to run things. So much easier.
2: Yeah. I, I'm. I. There's a lot of these comments that he's made, like the course that you're reading. I'm. I'm trying to picture hearing this, and there are times you say something, and and people like, "Oh." He just said, defend defend your convictions. And there's like a little, if you don't understand what he, the context of that, there's a little bit of risk in there because that can be like, hey, listen, I'm sorry, Jocko, but this is how I want to get this thing done. And I'm going to defend that conviction. And, and I just can't help but think about like this, the example you and I, that you were just talking about, about you and me, and something we have to think about Echelon Front all the time is a lot of times when people hear these military examples, we're talking about the conflict we're having with our enemies. Like he just told that story of like, a lesser man when I lost that battle. Hey listen, when you're fighting like an actual enemy, defend those convictions. But if Jocko and I are on the same team, and we're actually working together, I am far less inclined, I'm almost not inclined at all to defend my convictions. And of course, I gotta be careful with that too. You said it well, that's a dichotomy. I don't wanna just roll over and say whatever you want. But if I come in with a plan, you come in with a plan, I go, oh, dude that's a that's a totally reasonable plan Mm -hmm. that plan will probably work i I am not inclined to defend my convictions against you who is my ally who's my friend who's who who wants the same out you know good outcome that i want which is very different from an actual opponent an actual enemy uh you know in the military those are very stark obvious contrasts we're fighting against the nazis we're gonna i'm gonna defend those convictions to the end or like another company that they don't want to coexist with you want to take all your clients and run you into the ground. So just even being cautious with the idea of defending those convictions, if it's someone on my team and they have an idea, the chances are, especially if it's like most companies, most people aren't dumb, most people are pretty smart. They got an idea, they thought about it. If I can find any reason to abandon my position and go with your position, I'm gonna do that. Unless once, like you said, once in a blue moon, like, dude, your idea is terrible and we just kind of talk through it. It's not that big of a deal. I reveal a couple things, move on. But 99 times out of a hundred, your ideas and my ideas, they're actually both gonna work. Mm-hmm. And if you've got an idea, I am not inclined, to be quite honest, I am not inclined to defend my idea. Mm-hmm. Not because I wanna, I don't wanna upset you and you're my boss, and I, it's because I'm gonna go, dude, that's totally gonna work, let's just go execute on that. Yep. And what that actually gives me is what you just described at the end is, and, and I wanna be careful with this but I don't spend a lot of time telling you what I plan on doing. Now, listen, we are strategically aligned. We have, we, as a whole company, we meet and we get aligned strategically. And I don't mean to say that people should be out there operating with total autonomy. But in terms of this day, this event, this thing, it's I don't spend a lot of time walking you through with, with my, my, what my plans are. Because six, seven years into this, we've gotten to a point where Dave can go execute and, and you're comfortable with that. And my point to that is because I don't spend a lot of time trying to force my way into what I want to do, you've learned like, hey, Dave's a flexible guy. He, he's he's gonna get to the same outcome. His way, my way, doesn't really matter. And that's cultivated a bunch of trust. So defending your convictions, if you're not careful, can actually make you appear to be stubborn to a fault. Mm-hmm. And now Jocko might be like, oh, is, is Dave gonna adjust as he needs to with this client or is he gonna just dig into his plan? So, Be careful about defending your convictions as well, depending on the situation, especially what it is that you're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, I think what could get confusing for someone is just confusing the words conviction and idea, Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. For me to have a conviction that we should take care of our clients I'm gonna defend that conviction. Totally. So when Dave rolls up to me and is like, hey Jocko, I think we can screw this client over and get some more money from them and do less work and it, it doesn't really matter about what the outcome is. Yeah. Now we're, I'm, I'm not gonna be like, oh, sounds like a good idea, to yeah. let's we have go ahead and problem, do that. Right? Yeah, we have a yeah. problem, because we're not aligned. Now, but defending ideas, which is like ideas, like I said earlier, ideas can be pretty much worthless, right? And, and if we are gonna assign value to an idea, we're assigning value to my idea and assigning value to your idea. We can't assign a lot of value to either one of those things because neither one of them has any execution behind it yet. Yeah. So we're just basically t- assigning value to air. Yeah. It's like it's like Dogecoin, right? We're just kind of assigning, or what is it, FTT, which is the FTT is what the FTX token. Yeah. So this is the guy, Sam Bakeman, Friedman, yeah. Sam Bake, Friedman, Something SBF. Like that. This guy ripped off billions of dollars from people, mm-hmm. and one of the ways that he did it was they made their own little cryptocurrency and just assigned value to it. Said, "Oh yeah, this this has this value," and then they borrowed money against this thing that they made up. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, well, "This guy's smart and he's really nice, so we're gonna give him, we're gonna let him keep doing it." That's what. That's what. So when we, assi- if I assign my idea value and I assign your idea value, I can't assign it that much value because it's just something that we both made up. Yeah. So why am I going to overinvest in FTT? Totally. It's worthless. It has no value. You also can't see the future. I can't like, see the you, future. What are you arguing? What are you fighting me over?
2: Yeah. The the unknown of the
0: outcome. So the convictions, yeah. you know, when yeah. we're in combat and the conviction of hey, we need to do to have the high ground morally with the enemy. Yes. Yeah. I'll defend that high ground. I'll, de- I'll defend that conviction all day. Now, even the idea of hey Dave, we need to get the high ground tactically. I'll defend that really strong, but you might say, hey Jocko, listen, we got an AC130 that's going to be overhead and we don't need the high ground and we could it'd be much smarter to have these troops over here on this piece of terrain, which will set up a blocking force from where the enemy is located i I can adjust that that's an idea now and look I'm as I'm as about Committed to the tactic of taking the high ground as a human could possibly be but I'm not going to dot. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna die on it unless you know Dave's like, well, the high ground Doesn't matter whatever and I'm looking at it. Well, what are you gonna do if the enemy gets up there? Yeah Well, I'm not worried about it. Okay. Well, we need to worry about it So that's a different so just don't confuse Defending your conviction with defending your idea, defending your plan,
2: defending your thoughts even, Wait, yeah. open your mind. That that conviction versus ideas is awesome because the conviction we actually have to agree on, we are going to take care of our people. We are going to help these clients be successful. And if you discover that I'm like, actually what I wanna do is Lime I wanna lie to them, make some money, yeah, <laughs> that's the conviction. And then the ideas. It's so much easier to not care so much about the ideas if you know that we're aligned on that conviction. Like, oh, Dave's going a totally different direction. He's gonna to get to that yeah. high ground. It's just his way of doing it, but he actually sees, we yeah. that client's getting taken care of, yeah. we're have an impact. And my point to that is, we don't talk about the tactical ideas nearly as much as we used to, because you're like, oh yeah, I know where he's going. Yeah. I know what Dave's doing. and, and yeah, we have a pretty good thing going and, and you don't just cut people loose, but if you can be aligned on the convictions, it's so much easier to be flexible with the ideas. Oh yeah,
0: like worst case scenario, you didn't actually, you like as long as you're not going against the convictions right. that we share, there's actually nothing you can screw up bad enough to like have a problem, right? <laughs> you know, there's nothing that we can't clean up on a phone call. We're like, Hey, dude, I, 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 I over indexed a little bit. We spent a little too much money on this client, and I owe him another two gigs. And, and by the way, they really want you, so you're coming to it. I'm like, All right, cool, Roger. You know, Jamie booking me for free gigs across America. <laughs> Jamie Cochran, thank you. Um, Jared. no, don't call Jamie, she's not doing it anymore. All right, um. <laughs> Going back to the book here, another quality of leadership that comes to mind is self-confidence. You must have confidence in yourself, your unit, and your subordinate commanders, and in your plan. This recalls a couple of incidents. Just before the invasion of Normandy in 1944, a story went around that some of the units were making the assault on the beaches, that they would suffer 100% casualties, that none of them would come back. I found it necessary to visit these units and talk to all ranks. I told them that, of course, we would suffer casualties, but certainly our losses would not be 100% and that with our air and naval support, we would succeed. After our landing, a correspondent told me that on his way across the channel in one of the leading LSTs, he had noticed a sergeant reading a novel. Struck by the seeming lack of concern by this sergeant, he asked, aren't you worried? How can you be reading at a time like this? The staff sergeant replied, no, I'm not worried. General Bradley said everything will go all right, so why should I worry? Yeah, confidence. Right there in the middle. Right there, nice and balanced confidence. Not overconfident, not arrogant, but not self-doubting, that's for sure. I might relate another incident where there was a lack, lack of confidence where there was a lack of confidence. I had to relieve a senior commander because I learned his men had lost confidence in him. This meant, of course, that we could not expect maximum performance by that division. After being relieved, the officer came, through my, came back through my headquarters and showed me a file of statements given to him by his request, I am sure, by the burgomaster of all the towns his divisions had passed through. If he had confidence in himself, he would not have felt the need for those letters. Pretty good one. Sir, you shouldn't fire me. Look at, everyone loves me. I've got a bunch of letters to prove it. okay. After seeing the letters, I told the officer that if I had ever had any doubts as to whether to relieve him, those doubts were now removed. His letters proved beyond question that he had lost confidence in himself, so it was no wonder his men had lost confidence in him too. A leader must possess imagination. Whether it be an administrative decision or one made in combat, the possible results of that decision must be plain to the one making it. What will be the next step and the one after that? He only wrote one little two paragraph sentence about imagination. Wish I had a little bit more. Next, while there are many other qualities which contribute to effective leadership, I will mention just one more. But it is a very important one. Character. This word has many meanings. I am applying it in the broad sense to character. I am applying it to the broad sense to describe a person who has high ideals, who stands by them, and who can be trusted absolutely. Such a person will be respected by all those with whom he is associated. And such a person will readily be recognized by his associates for what he is circumstances mold our character these circumstances affect different people in different ways from exactly the same set of circumstances one man may theoretically build a palace while another may have difficulty building a lean-to it has been said that a man's character is the reality of himself. I don't think a man's strength of character ever changes. I remember a long time ago when someone told me that a mountain might be reported to have moved. I could believe or disbelieve it as I wished, but if anyone told me that a man had changed his character, I should not believe it. So this is a very, this whole thing about character. First of all, it's a little strange. There's a little contradiction in there that he made, which is um, circumstances mold our character. So he's saying that your your circumstance, that your character does change based on circumstances. Circumstance molds your character. And then he's saying that character's not gonna change. It's more likely that a mountain gets moved than your character changes. So he's he's got a little hypocritical uh, statement here. But I think I understand what he's getting at, right? Um, I mean, I think he's just talking about the fact that your character is molded over time, but once that character is established, it can't be changed. Now I can tell you this, I've seen people's character changed, right? Usually it takes a pretty significant event to change someone's character. Uh, maybe they get fired. Sometimes people get fired and they, there's no, no character change whatsoever. They're just still pissed at everybody else. But someone gets fired someone gets killed like something some very big event can change someone's character also a series of smaller events i mean you look at someone that you know the kid that you went to high school with and then they joined the marine corps and you see him seven years later and you're like damn that's a that's a different dude that's a changing character so i think the character can change in fact i i know it can
2: yeah I'm 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 going through what you're doing, trying to latch on what he's saying and understand where he's coming from. And I, I 100% agree with you. Like I have seen enough things happen in my life around people that those are character changing events, like like you've described. I'm just thinking of the other side of it too, trying to uh, contemplate what he's saying. Is and we've talked about this when someone reveals their character to you, believe them. That component of like, hey, if Jocko, if I catch and go, oh dang. Jocko's maneuvering for himself where Jocko deep down is actually trying to do this for him. I have to understand like that's who he is. And there's a balance inside there too, but I'm just, like I said, I'm trying to latch on to what he's talking about. And we've talked about this idea of somebody's character. If they reveal something about themselves, you, you have, you, you cannot pretend like that's not the case or just through some conversation, you're going to change that character. So I do believe that uh, well, I don't believe. I know that people's character can change, and I don't think there's some age by which it it's now immovable. I think the older you get, the harder that is. But don't be naive about someone's character either.
0: Yeah, the, the, the tricky thing about that is, you know, many of us, myself included, we're optimist. We're, we're optimistic people. Yeah. And so I see Dave like shortcutting something, and I was like, Oh, he's you. Know, He's part of my team like we're on the same team. Yeah, he's not he's not gonna do that You see it again. You're like, oh, you know He probably just doesn't you make a bunch of excuses for somebody and what you're saying is important You need to when you see those things you need to put it in the calculus man put that into the calculus because it's that is a That is what you're dealing with, right? That is what you're dealing with as a person Is what is their character? the thing about the other huge takeaway from this which is extremely important is that you can take two people with different character put them in the exact same circumstances one person's going to build a palace the other person's going to have difficulty putting up a lean-to and what that means is you as an individual you, you you need to take ownership of what's happening and make things happen like that's this is this is extreme ownership right One person can look at a situation and go, okay, well, hey, there's a bunch of rock here. Well, I guess I'm gonna build a palace. Another person looks at it and goes, oh, there's a bunch of rock here. How am I gonna build a lean-to? There's no sticks. Like, they can't figure it out. So getting and, and surrounding yourself and training people, this, I believe, is a trained attribute as well. Look, just like every other attribute, Some people have a more positive outlook, right? You got got the guy in your company, you got the guy in your platoon that's like, oh, this is never gonna work, what is it? Uh, I think Leif Babin likes to quote the alien guys. Um, you know, seventeen days. We're not even gonna make it seventeen <laughs> minutes, man. Like that kind of at that guy. There's one of those guys in every platoon. Totally, right? They're in every platoon. They're in every company, every team. There's no way we're gonna beat the competition with this thing. This all oh, this is never like they're hating life. You know, it's funny. I wrote down. I I didn't say it, but you know, the, the negative people. We we have a name for them. It's naysayers, right? There's an actual word for that person. The English language is so filled with people like that that we have a word for them. It's called a naysayer, right? They <laughs> exist. They're a type of person. But I think, over time, you can train people where they start looking, oh, that's a problem, cool, but I'm, I'm not just gonna find a solution, I'm gonna take advantage of this situation, we're gonna do, we're gonna do even more, we're gonna do even better. Positive things are gonna happen. Yeah. So, take that into your next scenario. The next circumstances you're put in and ask yourself, gonna gonna are we gonna I'm gonna build a palace or I'm gonna build a lean-to. Which one am I gonna do? I'm gonna build a palace or i gonna struggle to build a lean-to that's the question all right then he goes on to say um, all leaders must possess these qualities which I've been discussing and the great leaders are those who possess one or more of them to an outstanding degree some leaders just miss being great because they are weak in one or more of these areas there is still another ingredient in this formula for a great leader that I have left out and that is luck (laughs) he must have opportunity, then of course, when opportunity knocks, he must be able to rise and open the door. Some may ask, why do you talk about the qualities of leadership? They maintain that you either have leadership or you don't, that leaders are born not made. I suppose some are born with a certain amount of leadership. Frequently, we see young children Inclined to take charge and direct their playmates, the other youngsters follow these directions without protest. But I am convinced, nevertheless, that leadership can be developed and improved by training. Well, there's no doubt about that. That's again um, something else I stole. Like I, didn't, I hadn't read this before I wrote Leadership Strategy and Tactics, but you know, It's uh, are leaders born or made? The answer: Yes, they are born and they are made. And he says, there's no better way to develop leadership than to give the youngster or other individual a job involving responsibility and let them work it out. Again, this is my favorite. Leadership strategy and tactics. What's my favorite tool for leadership? Leadership. Put them in charge. Put them in charge. Put them in charge. (coughs) That's what you do. Try to avoid telling them how to do it. Boom. Decentralized command. That, for example, is the basis of our whole system of combat orders, which there's a whole, we've talked about this on multiple different podcasts, but you know mission type orders not telling people what to do just tell them what needs to get done why it needs to get done and let them go figure out we tell a subordinate unit commander that we want him to do what we want him to do and then we leave him to the details i think this system is largely responsible for the many fine leaders in our services today we are constantly training and developing younger officers and teaching them how to respect uh accept responsibility and this uh, I was saying this. I said this at a muster. Like every moment of every day is an opportunity for training your people. Like anything that you do, if you, it's so awesome. You don't need to go on some big uh, training trip with your team. No, you work in the, you work in a sales group. Cool. You're, you're doing a presentation to some client, potential client. Cool. Junior guy. Echo. Hey, you're gonna present these guys. Hey, you're not. Oh, you're not ready to present them? You're at least gonna put together a plan. You're gonna brief me, and that way. I can get to know the numbers, and then I'll brief it, because you're not there yet. Uh, We own a construction company. Okay, cool. Echo, you're gonna come up with a plan on how we're gonna do this concrete pour. You're gonna brief me it. I'm gonna poke some holes in it, but you know, that's pretty much what we're going with it. Look, if it's bad, if it's horrible, if it's gonna be a disaster, then we're gonna stop, and, and I'll make the adjustments, but you're gonna come up with a plan. And that's what you do. You have the opportunity to train people all day every day with everything that you do. Your family, you gotta make dinner, You got to go to the grocery store. You got to get the yard cleaned up. Every single one of those things is an opportunity for you to train your team, your, your, your children, on how to come up with a plan, how to execute a plan, how to build teamwork, how to do things efficiently. Like these are all opportunities. So everything that you're doing all day long, you have the opportunity to train people. He goes on to say, however, don't discount experience. Someone may remind you that Napoleon led armies before he was 30 and that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. Napoleon, as he grew older, even commanded even larger armies. Alexander might have been even greater had he lived longer and had more experience. In this respect, I especially like General Buckner's theory that judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. <laughs> And then he goes on to say, I have been asked to speak on leadership in the past. I have fairly well covered these same thoughts with other groups. Somehow however, somehow, however, at the moment, these thoughts take on added significance for me. You see, my first great-grandson was born a year ago. We call him Fat Henry. What happens to his life and to the lives of his contemporaries may well be in your hands. Thank you. And that is the end of this uh, that's the end of this particular speech. And it you know, I've got a book. I've got a manual, Department of the Army pamphlet, six hundred tax sixty-five. That's just got it's got a bunch, it's just it's a book of military quotes. And there's a bunch in there from Omar Bradley, the greatest leader in the world could never win a campaign unless he understood the men he had to lead. Good to know. The American soldier is one proud. is a a proud one and he demands professional competence in his leaders in battle he wants to know that the job is going to be done right with no unnecessary casualties. The non-commissioned officer wearing the chevron is supposed to be the best soldier in the platoon and he's supposed to know how to perform all the duties expected of the American soldier, uh, period. The American American soldier expects his sergeant to be able to teach him how to do his job and he expects even more from his officers, boom. Fairness, diligence, sound preparation, professional skill, and loyalty are the marks of American military leadership. There you go. Another one. In war, there is no second prize for runner-up. It's a good one to remember. Another one. Leadership in a democratic army means firmness, not harshness. Understanding, not weakness. Generosity, not selfishness pride not egotism so he just kind of rolled out some dichotomies for you He's giving you the balanced one and he's giving you the tendency that most people have <sighs> military organizations success and success in battle depend upon discipline and a high sense of honor Did they just roll out these quotes the nation today needs men who think in terms of service to their country and not in terms of their country's debt to them. That was 1948. I think maybe JFK jacked that one a little bit, right? Did JFK jack that? Sounds like it, yeah, a little bit. Remember, a good leader is one who causes or inspires others, staff or subordinate to do the job. We already hit that one. Um, so there you go. This guy, definitely some good information some good things to think about and you know it's leadership and it's leadership as applied to life so um more leadership more life lessons to be learned trying to get better yep echo charles speaking yes, of trying to get better yep what do you got?
1: Yeah, it didn't really talk much about working out that much. No, he no.
0: He did say he did say physically fit. Oh, yeah, back. Yeah, that, that one. He time. said, you got to yeah, back it up. He did. Sort he, of you mentioned. can't be weak. No. He said weak leaders weak. Yeah, that, I think that was a general term, but do yeah, some I squats, get, bro. I, mean, what he, he I said, agree. He didn't say yeah. do squats or curls. He didn't say guys or girls do squats but there's an inferred kind of implied thing that we all kind of heard,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's face it, if you're not doing squats, it doesn't sound like he'd kind of dig you that much, mm-hmm. given the whole nature uh, of the whole deal. I get it, but for those of us who are doing squats, which is pretty much all of us, am I right? Uh, we got some some supplementation for you you know, through this path. A lot of pain in this path, not pain, say mm-hmm. discomfort, discomfort. No, there's, there's pain, pain no suffering.
0: No, that pain, no? Suffering no. No yes. suffering.
1: No, no, no. There's pain, but there's no suffering. Because suffering is like your meat the meaning of pain or, or like what well, the meaning you put on the pain that you get. I think that's like the suffering. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Like DOMS, pain, doms. not suffering. Tear your yeah. bicep, pain and suffering. Yeah. Because you can't do curls for a long time. You see what I'm saying? I look, you understand what I'm saying?
0: Right? I guess, man. You, I'm not sure 100% I'm tracking you, but I don't really want to know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, no. This is important because it can actually uh, help diminish some of your suffering if you understand this.
0: Okay. This is
1: what I learned. Philosophical t- echo Charles
0: time. coming in hot. What okay. do you got?
1: So pain and suffering are two different things. Suffering is just like what you, uh, basically the conclusion you make given the pain that you have. So if it's like, um, if you think your pain is like bad, it's for the negative, it's destroying you, it's whatever, then that that elicits suffering. But if you say, hey, this is part of the process that I need or that I have embraced or whatever, it's still pain, but it's not suffering. See what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, okay. And so
1: you can assign meaning to whatever you want, yeah, including
0: yeah. pain, and you can assign whatever meaning you it, want to anything. It's sort of like building a palace instead of a lean-to. So I could be feeling pain and be like, this is part of me building the palace, yes. or I could be feeling the pain going, dude, this is horrible. Exactly, I can't, exactly. I'm can't. I'm i not gonna be able to sleep here tonight because I gotta lean-to. Exactly right. All
1: right, <laughs> see, so you do understand. It's true. Either way, when you do feel this pain, eliminate the suffering. We've got some supplementation to help you, for mm. real. Mentally and milk. physically yeah the milk that's a, Yeah, that's a big one because if you don't get your protein Which is hard to do by the way we established that yeah. a long time ago It is hard to do just mm-hmm. to just eat food and get the amount of protein that we're gonna need It's true. Yeah, yeah, but not anymore. Not, not now that we have milk.
0: Yeah, what I'm saying and milk. it tastes good um, The marketing guys Sure are like well the thing is with the milk name. We got to explain what it is Yeah Milk, additional protein in the form of a dessert. That's See, the problem. Not that man. hard, dude. No. So there you go. Yeah. What is milk? And we couldn't just call it a protein thing because it tastes too good.
1: Yeah. It, it doesn't have the. It it might have the stigma of like a protein. Yeah. Something.
0: Yeah. If I said, Hey, do you want this broccoli? But the broccoli <laughs> tasted. But the broccoli tasted like. Super good. Like really good. Yeah. T- tasted like. Really good? Like quiche. Would I call it broccoli? No, I'd call it something else. Yeah. If I said, yeah. hey, do you want all the goodness of broccoli, but it tastes really delicious? Would I call it broccoli?
1: I understand what no. you mean. Yeah. So
0: if I make a, a thing that's got protein in it, a bunch of really good protein, and it's really good for you, but it doesn't taste like your t- typical trash, then why would we call it protein? We call it milk. Had to have its own word.
1: Okay, so Dave Burkton, let me tell you, or let me ask you what you think about this. So, I drink milk chocolate most of the time. <laughs> See what I'm saying? But so sometimes when I make coffee, I make a mocha, mm-hmm. right? You put a little bit of chocolate milk in the in the coffee, okay? Right? That's a mocha. Or oh, wait, or chocolate, mocha. whatever. Chocolate, chocolate milk, whatever. What if I put the chocolate milk in the coffee? That's a mocha. Mm-hmm. See what Look me at you. So now, and this is my question to Dave Burke: If there was a nut, do you drink coffee? Right? Sometimes? No. Oh, bro, this is not even. Oh, this question not for you then. It's for my people then who I'm drink coffee. If there was a mocha flavored coffee chocolate called mocha with caffeine, mm. would that be viable?
0: You're gonna get a lot of yeses on that because I'm getting hit up for that.
1: I think so too. Yeah, right. The mocha because okay.
0: there's there's things like that that are out there, but they're not good for you. There's downside. A lot of downside. A lot of sugar. A lot of crap in it. So there's things like that exist, yeah. but they're not clean.
1: Right, that's what I'm saying. So let, so what if this, right mm-hmm. here, right? RTD, mm-hmm. ready to drink. Mm-hmm. Chocolate flavored. What if we'd added some coffee flavored or just some coffee
0: right. in there, see right. what, right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like no, iced coffee in there. There's demand signal for that
2: 100%. Bro, I think I could get down with that. I know you could. Yeah. That sounds like a really cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> i see what you're saying i yeah. see what you're
1: saying but uh, i do know the team we we yeah. are very you know close what i'll give you for you your
0: idea one dollar
1: oh i don't yeah yeah i don't <laughs> want that no 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 all good it's a fantasy right now it's just a fantasy fantasy yeah. network yeah. worth nothing but i do know bro, a group bro, of people who can bro, have you ever had that. somebody
0: present an idea to you that they made you like sign an nda yeah. and then they presented yeah. the, but then no but then they present the idea and you're like bro this is the dumb or or this is the most obvious thing that like Yes. Is like why I can't believe you're you're presenting this. Yeah,
1: so I, you know, I know you guys were laughing, both of you, laughing at me or whatever when I brought this up. But all that stuff that I said about the ideas in the you know the cancer pill and all mm-hmm. that's from a from a series of real stories that oh, actually oh, yeah, happened yeah, yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, and wait, the, the
0: actual egg, cancer pill thing. No, no, no the cancer oh, okay. pill was okay,
1: my yeah. rebuttal. To like the person saying how good their idea, how valuable is it? Was an NDA day, by the way. Not to mention, oh, uh, let's meet up at this coffee shop and like I want to really present, bro. Full on, oh yeah, it's so annoying. After ask my brother, he makes apps, so he's like really in that game or whatever. But yeah, when we when I made websites, bro, you you especially back in what oh eight. Yeah. Bro, everyone and their mom had ideas for a website. Yep. Bro, I'm mean, gonna have a website where it does this and that and this and that. NDA. Uh, Sign NDA, it. NDA, because I don't want you to steal my idea. Yep. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs>
0: but this Monka idea is very executable. Yep. No, no, that's that's probably that's gonna happen. I'll say that. Yep. I'll say that. So there you go. That's uh Get Mo. Get 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 some discipline go. Yeah, energy. Okay. You know, that's another thing. Like, it's called an energy drink, but there's no downside. Yep. So it's not really in the same category. Actually, they're kind of having a new category of healthy energy drinks based on the drink that we made. Damn. Like some of the that retailers that we work with, they're making a new category area. It's like, yeah. oh, you can get this junk poison yeah. that'll give you a thirty-minute, a thirty-eight-minute freaking methamphetamine <laughs> rush and then you'll crash and burn and be, <coughs> you have type 2 diabetes or you can just take once aisle over and here we are this thing's clean and makes you feel good
1: i wonder if they'd put it one aisle over though
0: they put it right next to it it's like i mean i shouldn't say aisle one shelf over oh yeah one, like one little lo- section one little over. section over yeah, yeah like makes sense this one says poison it's got a skull and crossbones and like a radioactive <laughs> yeah. thing and then this mm-hmm. one says healthy it's got like like a strong muscle, (laughs) (laughs) like a flexed arm. A life force uh, logo
1: or something like this. What's life force logo, is that a thing? I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe you need to make one. That's the beginning of my idea. Bro, that's a good idea, life force. Life force logo. logo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it's true though. Yeah, you're over there creating logos on a bunch of ideas too, you know what (laughs) what I'm saying?
1: I'll get the website soon. That's another part of that process. Oh, Oh, I already brought the domain. Dude, you know know the URLs URLs I own?
0: I own URLs, you know, like, you know, life force. Dot com. it's yeah. like just ran. I'm probably gonna buy that in the next three minutes. Probably already, somebody already bought it. But so
1: yeah. the URL domain name is like one percent better mm, than okay. the idea. Maybe ten ye- percent ye- because idea oh, no, is close no. to zero. Yeah, well,
0: it's close to zero. But the URL is like literally like I mean, you can get a URL for for nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Yeah. On on GoDaddy. Is GoDaddy the only one that does that? No, no, no. Oh.
1: plenty, plenty, plenty spots.
0: Domain.com,
1: GoDaddy, freaking. There's one oh. called Domain. It, yeah, there's a lot of okay. places. It's called a registrar. Is GoDaddy, is
0: GoDaddy the big, the big one?
1: Yeah, it's one of the main ones for Dude, sure. That's
0: all my, all my stuff is yeah. GoDaddy. Yep. Do you ever look at because you got access to my Go? Do you ever look yeah. on there and go like, well, I wonder what this idiot was thinking here with freaking nope. www nope plantingrocksintheworld.com <laughs> well, the thing is that sounds funny to
1: you but to me i see all those i say okay i see what he was uh, i see where he uh, was going look at that. Bro, you look at mine you're gonna be like bro what yeah. the hell is this guy thinking bro you you, you you haven't you haven't lived
0: give me your worst domain name that you own it,
1: i can't i don't know it offhand But a lot of them have expired too. Uh But bro, that's that's back in the day when I used to stay up drinking and stuff and doing like quote unquote creative stuff in your mind. Oh yeah, for nine
0: ninety nine or crack. And like I said earlier, <laughs> you have the whole dream in your head. Oh, you yeah. play out the whole thing. Oh.
1: And here's the thing. It, it was it was bad with me for myself. I didn't go to other people saying like, hey, you do the, you know, I have this idea, you do the rest. <laughs> you, that was a
0: violation. You woke up in the morning, had to do the walk of shame back to your oh. computer to see what
1: your go Daddy bill was. <laughs> you're right. That's the funny thing. You're 100% right. When you're like, bro, wow, what did I do last night? I'm so dumb. Like looking at these <laughs> things. Like what was I thinking? I think, But, but the, the what made it bad for me? is when I drink I'd be like, wait a second, I could do I could literally pull this off, this little idea that I have. Like I know how to make websites, I know how to make video, I know how, you go through the line of assets like said, that you bring to the whole project. Yeah, you know yeah. it? And then you do it and you're like, bro no one's gonna do you're this. Cash I'm You're to do that. You're
0: all but cashing checks. <laughs> like all but checking into the it's Academy Awards true, it's for your true, movies and it's your true. URL. It's true. <laughs> all right. So there is a URL that has proved out to be pretty valuable. Yep. And it's called jockofuel.com. Boom. Which is one that you know what? I just kind of grabbed. Yeah. Right as the whole idea came to fruition.
1: You want to hear something really? You might already know this, but Trey, go on GoDaddy or wherever and go look for URLs containing Jocko something, like something mm. real, like I don't know, Jocko microphones or a mm. Jocko bottle or I don't know, something. You'll find that a lot of them are taken down. Yeah, out. yeah.
0: That's, bah, that's those people. Bro, thank you. I, to get jocko.com, That was freaking awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. He totally hooked me up. Great guy. Great Mm -hmm. guy hooked me up with that. Sold it to me for $1. Jocko.com. It's legit. So, appreciate it. Uh, All right, all right. So, JockoFuel.com, OriginUSA.com, another URL. Had to pay it for that one. Had to pay some real money for that one.
1: Yeah, anything For Uh, OriginUSA.com.
0: That was a bummer, but we got it. And now you can go and get American-made geese, boots, jeans, T-shirts, hoodies, rash guards. Yeah. I just got another pair of jeans, by the way. No big deal. What, what, what Delta 68. But which ones? Different wash. The middle. middle wash. The middle wash, yeah. and the wash is That's legit. That's two pairs for yeah, me, by there the way. you are in there. All right. Origin USA, a bunch of cool stuff. JockoStore.com. Yep, it's true. It's where you can get your apparel you going to
1: represent on the path. Discipline equals freedom. Standard issue. Dave Burke representing the Marine Corps colors. I dig it. Actually, I don't think I've ever revealed that. You just uh, what the color <laughs> schemes are for. But nonetheless, it's true. It's absolutely true. Dave Burke represent. But yeah, if you want to represent on the path. Discipline equals freedom. Good. Uh, stand by to get to all this stuff. Joclastore.com. We have the shirt locker on there, too. It's a subscription scenario where you get a new shirt. Cool designs on that one. A lot of people like that one. So check those out if you like that one. Subscribe for that one. It's, it's a good one
0: subscribe to Jocko Underground too. Yeah. We have a little extra podcast, we're answering questions, we're doing, we're covering topics that are there that are adjacent to what we talk about on this podcast. Yeah. They're
1: contemplative, they're I think.
0: They're contemplative, they're adjacent, they're very life focused, right? Yeah. So yeah. fall in the category of how can I be a better human? Yeah. I'd say that's right, and then we answer a bunch of questions from everybody. Yeah. So, so uh, jockounderground dot
1: You know what I found about your topics mm-hmm. is they, if you can like grasp these topics and keep them in mind, and for real, keep them in mind, mm-hmm. you will avoid so many of the pit, pitfalls in life, <laughs> bro.
0: Yep. I'm telling you, and you know what I've noticed about your topics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so here we
0: go. One, what what okay. number? <laughs> I think we're on. Yeah. We think we're on the something like the. 65, 65, 70, something like this, that we've done. I think four topics have been yours. Okay. Of the weekly list that you cool. send me of potential topics. Cool. I'm on the grid. I might have one of our topics, might be topics that Echo has suggested. Yeah. We could just get a kick. Right. It. Okay. We could cover that. We could cover Echo's URLs. That's a good idea. That would be another good one. Just good go idea. through the list. We could cover my dumb URLs too. <laughs> we could just get dumb URLs out here.
1: All right. That's a good idea, actually.
0: So, so uh, check. That's. The Jocko Underground. If you wanna to subscribe to that, we do that other podcast. YouTube, subscribe to that. Psychological Warfare, flipsidecanvas.com. Bunch of books, you know where to get them. You can get them at jockopublishing.com. You can go to amazon.com. I mean, Only Cry, Only Cry for the Living by Holly McKay. We reprinted some of those. Grab Grab that book, it's a fantastic book. Echelon Front, where we have a leadership consultancy. Dave and I. Echo is not on the leadership consultancy. Yes, sir. I am Well, from you the are CMO. from you're, you're the CMO official. It's all good. Official, official. But you don't interact with clients. No, I don't. We and you know what? Surprisingly, we haven't had. Have we had a request for Echo to come? <laughs> Been no request. Bro, uh,
1: I know factually that that I. I guess you got. It, and this is how I found this out. This happened one time, by the way. Probably out of about one million inquiries, but whatever. So I guess what when you sign up to ask for, or to mm-hmm. um, request for, an instructor, yeah, yeah and, and it's like a hierarchy, right? Your first first choice, second yep. choice, or yep. something yep. like that. Yep. I guess I was the second choice on one of them. Dang! Yep. So probably the
0: yeah. Did you do it?
1: No, bro. It was <laughs> no. Know, well, Jamie told me, like, laughing,
0: like, that's nice of Jamie. I would ban-
1: <laughs> I would literally bankrupt your whole company with my advice. Shit <laughs> <laughs>
0: so sure. But Dave and I and a bunch of other people, Laif, uh, JP. Jamie, Jason, Steve, Meg. We got a bunch of people. Who did I miss? Corey. Um, anyways, we have a leadership company, echelonfront.com, this is what we do. We teach leadership all the problems that you have inside your organization are leadership problems, and we fix them. If you want to improve yourself on an individual basis, you can go to extremeownership.com where we teach these principles. Principles of leadership, principles of life. Extremeownership.com, and if you wanna help service members, Active retired want to help gold star families. Check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got a charity organization. If you want to donate, you want to get involved, go to America's americasmightywarriors.org. And also check out what Micah think is doing up in up in Montana. heroesandhorses.org, doing stuff for vets. And if you want to connect with us, Dave is at David Arberk. Echo is at Echo Charles. I am at Jocko Willing. We're on the social media things. Re-engage with Twitter, you know. <coughs> Twitter's a little yeah. wild right now. Some wildness going on in there, crazy. but it's kind of fun.
1: Yeah.
0: So we're there. We're on the gram, but just watch out for the algorithm on all these things. You got to be careful. Um. Thanks for listening, and thanks to all of our military personnel out there standing watch around the world, keeping us safe. Same goes for our police, law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, Secret Service, all first responders. You all also out there standing the watch here at home, keeping us safe. Thank you. And everyone else out there, let's just remember that little piece that Omar Bradley said about about circumstances and character. And circumstances mold our character, but different people with different character react differently to different circumstances from the exact same circumstances. One man might build a palace while another man's gonna have difficulty building a lean-to. A palace versus a lean-to. This is factual. This is factual. Some men, women go through life, they build a palace. And some men and women go through life, they build a lean-to. We've all seen it. We control our own destiny. So let's get out there and get after it. And until next time, this is Dave and Echo and Jocko. Out.